Welcome back to The Emily Show. Today, I'm going to break down what you need to know about the Hannah Gutierrez trial. The armorer on the set of Rust is starting trial on February 21st, 2024 with jury selection. It is slated to be about a three-week trial. Today, I'm going to talk about what charges she's facing, what the larger questions are, give a quick summary of what the recent motions in court were, and what to expect from this trial, and a real brief summary of what just happened in Alec Baldwin's latest status conference with regard to his charges in the Rust shooting. So that's what we're doing today, a quicker episode, because what you need to do is hop over to YouTube to watch live gavel-to-gavel coverage of the state versus Hannah Gutierrez. Let's go. Welcome to The Emily Show. I'm Emily D. Baker, the internet's go-to legal analyst and big fan of the cursey words. I've been a licensed attorney for over 17 years. I'm a former prosecutor, and I break down the legal side of pop culture and entertainment stories we can't stop talking about. We should just get into it. Let's go. If you are not on the Law Nerd app yet, now is the time to download the Law Nerd app for free at lawnerdapp.com. I built this app to keep you in the loop with trials in mind, because I know that you have things to do and gavel to gavel coverage can be difficult, but you're going to want to know when the first AD, Dave Halls, takes the stand in this case. If Hannah Gutierrez-Reed takes the stand, how are you going to know if you don't get an app notification from me? The Lawnard app is the best way for me to keep you in the loop throughout the day as I'm doing trial coverage and to let you know when I'll be starting, when start time moves around, or when lunch breaks run long. So you will be completely in the loop, absolutely free, iOS and Android, lawnardapp.com. Can't wait to see you. We've got a live trial to coverage starting this week once jury selection is done. It's been a minute, but I am looking forward to covering the state versus Hannah Gutierrez with you. Now, in the past, I have referred to Hannah Gutierrez as Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. I may still, some of the court documents, she is Hannah Gutierrez more recent court documents, she is Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. The defense attorney made a note to the prosecution that Hannah was going by Gutierrez, not by Gutierrez-Reed. I wonder if this was distancing from her stepfather, um, Reed. That's his last name. He is a very well-known armorer in Hollywood. And I wonder if it's um, distancing from that, or if it's just not the name that she commonly uses, but she is going by Hannah Gutierrez. If I call her Hannah Gutierrez Reed, it's just because that, it, since this happened in 2021, um, is what I have been referring to her as, but she is going just by Gutierrez in the court documents now. Today, I'm going to cover the third amended complaint, the charges that she is facing, what those charges mean, what the jury is going to have to determine, the difficulty in this case, and some of the motions that we heard last week. But before we do that, we need to talk about the Alec Baldwin of it all. Alec Baldwin was originally charged in this case, and then the charges were dropped against him in this case. And he was recently charged again and arraigned and pled not guilty. On February 20th, he had a pretty brief hearing in court. And that hearing, A, had a bunch of sound issues, but B, was the attorneys arguing over a trial date and what the prosecutor also has to do. And remember, this is the special prosecutor. 
the prosecutor's other trials, the defense attorney's other trials. But it seems at the end of that hearing, the judge said she would issue a ruling on the trial date on Monday. But it looks like the Alec Baldwin Rust trial is going to start sometime in the summer of 2024. June, July is what the court was talking about with the attorneys. The prosecutor, interestingly enough, said there are 30 witnesses that still need to be interviewed. And I'm like, how are there another 30 witnesses that aren't going to be in the Gutierrez trial that starts the day this episode comes out? Like, who else are you questioning? I mean, weren't the people on the set the people on the set? Like, the the facts as to Anna Gutierrez and the facts as to Alec Baldwin are pretty similar. Hannah Gutierrez has the gun. The gun went to Dave Halls. Dave Halls gave the gun to Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin was in the church on set with Helena Hutchins and Joel Souza when he fired the gun. Helena was fatally shot. Joel Souza was shot and injured. But what what different witnesses do you need unless it's all expert witnesses or unless there's additional forensic witnesses about how the gun could have fired or not fired, because that's not as relevant to Hannah Gutierrez. Her part of this case was loading the gun and how a live round ended up on set and ended up in the gun. But I was really surprised that the prosecution said that there are another 30 witnesses that they have not interviewed yet, and they're just getting ready to undertake this three-week trial with uh, Hannah Gutierrez. If I was Hannah Gutierrez, defense attorney, I would want to know what additional 30 witnesses are still out there, wouldn't you? Let's move in to what Hannah Gutierrez is charged with. This is the third amended complaint that was filed on June 22nd, 2023. Uh, For the audio audience, don't worry, I'm just going to run through it. State of New Mexico versus Hannah Gutierrez, third amended complaint, count one, involuntary manslaughter on or about October 21st, 2021 in Santa Fe County, New Mexico at the Bonanza Creek Ranch. And then they give the address the above-named defendant did cause the death of Helena Hutchins, committed in the commission of an unlawful act to wit. To wit means this is the unlawful act. Negligent use of a deadly weapon. And then they give the code sections. In the alternative, and what this means is that there are two different ways that a jury can determine whether or not there was an involuntary manslaughter here based on the way the law is written in the state of New Mexico. So this is the alternative count. It is also involuntary manslaughter, same date, location, and victim, that it was committed in the commission of a lawful act, which might produce death in an unlawful manner, or without due caution and circumscription, a fourth degree felony contrary, and then they give the code section. Count two is tampering with evidence on or about October 21st, 2021 in Santa Fe County, New Mexico. The above-named defendant did transfer narcotics to another person with the intent to prevent the apprehension, prosecution, or conviction of herself, and the highest crime was a fourth-degree felony. In the last court hearing, we heard quite a lot about that tampering with evidence count. The defense was arguing that the tampering with evidence wasn't connected to the involuntary manslaughter. It is connected to... Hannah Gutierrez giving what the prosecution alleges is cocaine to a friend after she was interviewed by police. Apparently, she was not searched at the police station when she was interviewed, giving cocaine to a friend to hold for her till later. And then apparently there are text messages where Hannah is trying to get 
that back for herself. The defense attorney tried to sever that from the trial on the involuntary manslaughter, arguing that they're not part of the same cause and course of events. The prosecution, of course, arguing that after she was interviewed by police, she's trying to get rid of this cocaine. And if she had cocaine on the set, then that's absolutely part of this circumstance or part of the continuation of events from the day that Helena Hutchins was shot and killed on set. So what the judge ended up ruling is that the tampering with evidence will be tried at the same time. The jury will hear evidence as to that fact. Again, I am very curious how Hannah Gutierrez went from the set after the fatal shooting of Helena Hutchins, and they didn't know that for quite a while. She was transported to the hospital and passed at the hospital. So when they were interviewing, uh, they being her and Alec Baldwin and others, they didn't know that Helena Hutchins had passed away yet, but she was transported and interviewed by law enforcement, apparently with cocaine in her pocket, which the facts surrounding that are something I have a lot of questions about even when she was uh, in a police vehicle, was not apparently searched at any time. So we'll see how that plays out at the trial. But what I wanted to talk about real quick were these in the alternative involuntary manslaughter counts and what that means. The state has charged involuntary manslaughter two ways. Not every jurisdiction has an involuntary manslaughter statute. We often see involuntary manslaughter in things like car accidents where someone is driving um, completely recklessly. We see that with cases where people are driving uh, well above the speed limit, like 100 miles an hour and up above the speed limit, where people are weaving in and out of lanes or wrong side of traffic. Um, extremely reckless behavior that's known to lead or could lead to a fatal crash, but they weren't intending to kill someone. Involuntary manslaughter is not intending to kill someone or intending to kill someone and then killing the wrong person. This is really, there was not an intent to kill, but something happened that happened either during an unlawful act or happened during something that was lawful, but you did that lawful thing in a negligent way. And that's what the case law in New Mexico indicates here, that either this is negligent use of a deadly weapon by Hannah Gutierrez Reed, and therefore you've got an involuntary manslaughter an unlawful act, the unlawful act being the negligent use of a deadly weapon, or you have the involuntary manslaughter with a lawful act. Was it lawful for her to be loading this gun on the set of the movie? And then if it's lawful to, for her to be loading the gun on the set of the movie, did she do it in a way that might produce death without due caution or circumscription? And the way the case law defines it is as such. When you have involuntary manslaughter by a unlawful act, you don't, or the prosecutor doesn't need to show criminal negligence. You can show that you were committing the unlawful act. And of course, here that gets confusing because the unlawful act is the negligent use of a firearm, but that negligent use of a weapon, according to case law in New Mexico, is ordinary negligence, not criminal negligence. So these are going to be different legal standards of negligence. The ordinary negligence is an easier standard to prove than a criminal negligence. And it'll be interesting to see how the prosecution tries to parse these two different types of negligence, whether it was a negligent use of a weapon or whether she was using the weapon properly, but loading a live bullet into it or not checking the bullets was the criminal negligence. Because at the end of the day, someone doesn't end up fatally shot on a movie set without someone messing up. And I think that's going to be the heart of the prosecution's argument in this case is that 
If Hannah Gutierrez-Reed was doing her job, she would have noticed that that was a live bullet and not a dummy round. And then the live bullet never would have ended up in the gun. So for her to make that error was negligent, criminally negligent, a negligence that is reckless or willful or wanton. And I think they will focus on the recklessness because that was her job. So the negligent use of a weapon is an ordinary negligent. You don't need that recklessness. And the lawful, the lawful theory or the, you know, uh, criminal negligence theory requires that extra level of recklessness or willfulness. The case law that goes over the um, doing a lawful act in a uh, negligent way are mostly coming out of vehicle cases but they always talk about the negligence needing to be recklessness or willfulness. And we're going to see that kind of reckless disregard or recklessness in the way she did her job come up from the prosecution a lot, I suspect. Because again, if you're not reckless, how does this happen? What we learned from the defense attorney in their argument in the last court hearing, which is live up on my YouTube channel, if you want to see me breaking down that court hearing, the defense attorney said we have evidence that other people were involved in the gun. And we've seen in the OSHA report, which the defense is going to be allowed to use with their experts. Of course, the report's not going to be evidence, but the findings in the report are going to potentially come up with the defense experts. It's said in that report that Hannah Gutierrez told Dave Halls, the first AD who handed the gun, to Alec Baldwin that she needed time to do a weapon check, and he said there was no time. He was the safety coordinator on set. He was um, in a greater position of power than Hannah Gutierrez was at the armor. As the armor, she had multiple jobs. She was an armor and assistant props. So she was saying that she needed time, according to the OSHA report, and he was saying no, and he ultimately took the gun, seemingly did not check it, and then gave it to Alec Baldwin, and it is said in documents and reports that he said that it was a cold gun, meaning it was clear to use on set, but he did not himself check it. Now, Dave Halls has already pled in this case, pled for six months of probation and a gun safety class and a $500 fine, pled right at the beginning of this case. I have real strong feelings about whether uh, that's appropriate, but Part of his plea deal was to testify in court truthfully, and his plea deal can be revoked if he does not testify in court, does not appear in court, does not testify truthfully. So we're going to see Dave Halls testify in this case, but I can only imagine a jury is going to sit there looking at this guy going, you're the safety coordinator on set. If she's telling you she needs more time, is she being reckless? And I think that's what the defense is going to argue here. Is Hannah Gutierrez-Reed being reckless if she says, I need to recheck this weapon? He says there's no time and takes it. When was she reckless then? But what's interesting on the side of that is the prosecution said in that last court hearing that they have evidence 12 days before this fatal shooting that Hannah Gutierrez-Reed has photos with her with a live round in her hand 12 days before this happened. So those live rounds were on set for at least 12 days before the shooting. And the prosecution has said in court filings that they did not charge the head of PDQ arm and prop, Seth Kinney, because they did a chemical analysis of the gunpowder and the gunpowder used by PDQ in their live rounds did not chemically match 
the gunpowder in the live rounds recovered from set. It seems to be the prosecution's theory that Hannah Gutierrez-Reed brought the live rounds onto set. So is that the recklessness? Is that the negligence, even bringing these things onto set before the weapon ever gets loaded? And it will be interesting to see if the prosecution argues that, that she was negligent before this day on set because she brought live rounds onto the set knowing that they could get loaded into the gun. So the argument isn't then that she was negligently using a weapon. The argument is that she was doing something lawful, bringing props to set, but she did it in a reckless way by bringing the bullets to set. It'll be interesting to see if the prosecution argues it this way, but because there are two theories in the alternative, the prosecution's going to have to be real clear with the jury which is which and where where's the negligence, where's the recklessness, because the defense is going to be arguing that everyone else on set's responsible. And I think when we see their experts come in, their experts are going to say, I'm sure. Alec Baldwin had the gun in his hand and pulled the trigger. The safety coordinator on set did not give her adequate time. An armorer should never have more than one jobs on, on set. She was not the one who was reckless. Rust Productions, the bosses were all reckless. And she's the fall guy who isn't really in a position to um, do her job in any other way. So no, she wasn't negligent in her job. She was doing her job. The recklessness is on the production. The recklessness is on the people who gave her too many jobs, didn't give her enough time, didn't allow her to check the weapon. She was doing what she was told, and now she's being treated like the fall guy. And I think we'll see a lot of that in the defense experts' testimony. We're going to see experts talking about what should be done on set, how these sets operate, and the fact that Hannah Gutierrez-Reed was kind of the the bottom of the chain of power in this production. She was a new armorer. She was given multiple jobs. She was not given the time that she needed. There are text messages where she's communicating frustration about that that we've seen in court filings. And she's new. She's in her 20s. This is her second movie ever. Yes, it was her job. But was she doing her job recklessly? Or were her bosses doing their job so recklessly it set her up to fail? And I think that's the direction we're going to see the defense arguing in. But at the end of the day, no one should end up dead on a movie set because a live bullet found its way into a gun. And if the prosecution proves that Hannah Gutierrez is the one who brought the live rounds onto set, it makes this case, I think, easier for the prosecution and more difficult for the defense. If they don't prove where the bullet came from, I think the defense will have an easier time arguing that everyone else's failure is what caused this accident, not Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. But at the end of the day, if the prosecution proves that she's the one that loaded the gun, it's really hard to say that she was not reckless in some way because it was her job to distinguish between the live round bullets, the dummy rounds, and the blanks. And at the end of the day, that is her job. So in everything leading up to this trial, the prosecution and the defense have been going back and forth in court, including a defense motion not only to recuse the prosecutors, but also to have the case entirely dismissed over text messages of Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. It seems when law enforcement did a search of Hannah Gutierrez-Reed's phone, the Gutierrez's lawyers signed for and allowed to happen. This was a voluntary search of the phone 
they did not exclude in any way attorney-client privileged information. So when the phone got downloaded, everything got downloaded, including text message conversations back and forth between Hannah and her attorney. The judge lit into the defense attorney and said, this is on you. When you filled out the form, the voluntary search form, it was not excluded. So it's not on the prosecution that that information got downloaded and got out there, even though the attorney verbally told law enforcement that that message never got communicated. Because what happened next is that Seth Kinney, the head of PDQ Arm and Prop, did a freedom of information request. It's called something different in New Mexico, but essentially a a uh, public documents request and requested the text messages and got them, including the text messages between Hannah Gutierrez-Reed and the lawyer. So now the defense is arguing that this case should have been dismissed because a key witness, and absolutely Seth Kinney is a key witness, and I imagine will be one of the first witnesses because the jury's going to remember that testimony. He has read all of the text messages, presumably, between, or at least been provided them, between Hannah and her lawyers. But the court turned around and looked at the defense attorney and went, this is on you. This was a voluntary search form. You didn't write it on the form. If you didn't write it on the form, it you gave them permission to search all the things. That's not the prosecution's fault. That's your fault. This judge is no nonsense and um, let the attorneys be heard, but then very quickly was like, that's not what we're doing. I imagine this case will go kind of smoothly. It'll be interesting to see how long jury selection takes. This seems to be a smaller jurisdiction where I'm sure people have heard of what's happened because it's very unusual that this happens. People, um, yes, people have accidents on film sets doing stunts, but not fatal shootings, not like this. And the Bonanza Creek Ranch is used in so many movies, particularly Westerns, that it's it's really um, something that I imagine was of intense public interest for the people, especially that work in and around the movie industry in New Mexico. What I didn't realize until I was reading an article questioning whether or not Hannah Gutierrez-Reed was really being treated fairly, whether she was the fall guy, whether she was even in a position of power enough to say no to Dave Halls and Alec Baldwin. They talked about the fact that when she was growing up, she would go with her stepdad, uh, Theo Reed, onto the Bonanza Creek Ranch set for the movie 310 to Yuma, and where he was the lead armorer on that set. I don't know how much of her relationship will come up, whether it comes up with regard to her experience or the things she should have known to do her job in a safe and competent way. We will see. But she is the daughter of a Hollywood armorer. She was taught to be an armorer by her stepfather. He is not on the witness list, but lots of others are. And we're going to talk about that real quick. On the state's 13th witness list, this is their final witness list from December. We have lots of law enforcement officers, of course, the people who responded to the scene, the forensic examiners from the FBI, the FBI explosives unit. I imagine that's who did some of the chemical testing. Um, of the different bullets. That'll be interesting testimony to me. Seth Kinney from PDQ Arm and Prop. Mamie Mitchell is on this list. Joel Souza is on the list. Sergey Sventnoy is on this list. Sarah Zachary is on this list. And Dave Halls is on this list. But let's talk about why you know some of those names. Joel Souza was the director of this film, who was in the church when the shooting happened. And in fact, he was hit by the same bullet that had gone through Helena Hutchins. Sergei Sventnoy 
has a lawsuit ongoing against Russ Productions and everyone else. He was the gaffer on set who was standing there with the uh, boom right next to Helena Hutchins and Joel Souza when she was shot, when the gun was fired. Mimi Mitchell was the script supervisor, also has ongoing lawsuits in this case um, against Rust Productions, Alec Baldwin et al. She was in the church when this happened and is suing for emotional distress, among other causes of action. And Sarah Zachary was the other prop master on this film set who was the supervisor of Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. And we saw a number of text messages between them and Hannah Gutierrez's lawsuit against Seth Kinney from Pre-EQ Arm and Prop, which has since been dismissed. And then, of course, Dave Halls took a plea deal to testify against everybody else, even though he was the one handing the gun over to Alec Baldwin and was the safety supervisor on set, who was, um, well the OSHA report had strong words about his lack of care for safety on the set. So with all of that, there are going to be some very interesting witnesses. We're also going to see some expert witnesses talking about the film industry from both the prosecution and defense. We know there are a number of defense witnesses from the defense witness list. So we will see a defense case with multiple witnesses. A lot of times in criminal cases, you will see one or two, if any defense witnesses. That's not going to be the case here. We're going to see more than a few. Will Hannah Gutierrez testify or not? We will see. It's going to be hard with the tampering with evidence count to testify because it's going to get a lot into a conversation of why she had narcotics on set. So that might be a big consideration there. I'm surprised they didn't just plea to it because, I mean, the evidence on that one's a little stronger. And if I, I wonder if the prosecution wouldn't allow her to take a plea to it. If I was Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, I would really consider going to the court and saying, can I plea to the um, tampering with evidence count and be sentenced later on this and not have it come up in the trial? And then all information relating to it is irrelevant. Just plea open to the court and be like, look, man, I don't, I don't need this to come in at trial at all. And that can still happen. She can plea open to the court. Um, on that one count, though, sometimes judges won't let you pick and choose. And they say, if you want to plea, you plea to everything that's charged or nothing at all. You can't just plea to one count. It's really going to depend on the judge. It can happen legally, but not all judges will do that. So we might still see something happen with that tampering with evidence count. But from the last hearing, we know the prosecution is going to lean into the text message where Hannah was talking about smoking weed in the evenings and and drinking. And I think part of the insinuation there from the prosecution is that she was not as careful as she could have been because she's hungover. I don't know if they have any evidence of that, though, other than insinuations that that's what she was doing um, the nights uh, when she was not on set and was on her own time. I don't know how far the prosecution will be allowed to get with some of those insinuations. So with all of that, lawnardapp.com Gavel to gavel trial coverage incoming. I hope that gives you kind of a basis of what we're going to see as this trial gets underway. The difficulty that we're going to see in parsing involuntary manslaughter with two alternative theories. It's not always a charge jurors like with involuntary manslaughter. A lot of times, involuntary manslaughter cases feel like an accident that could happen to anyone that is now being criminally prosecuted when it's really just an accident. No one intended for anything bad to happen. This is a little different than that because of the the but for 
If somebody didn't bring a live round onto this set, this never happens. If somebody wasn't careless and reckless, this never happens. It's a little different than a horrible accident because it was so preventable. And there were so many people on this movie set that could have prevented this shooting from happening. It's why there's so many civil lawsuits. It's why there's three prosecutions ongoing. Well, two prosecutions. Three prosecutions, two ongoing, one with a plea to a misdemeanor. I still don't agree with that. I'm very curious why the prosecution thought they needed to do that. And we will see maybe in the summer of 2024, Alec Baldwin on trial for this shooting as well. This trial should give us a lot of information about what the prosecution knows, what the forensic evaluations have said, and maybe we will finally know the thing that we've all wanted to know since this case started. How the fuck did a live round end up on this movie set? That is what I am going to be watching the trial for the answer for. That is the thing I want to know the most. Let me know your thoughts on this one. Do you think Hannah Gutierrez-Reed should be prosecuted? Do you think everybody should be prosecuted? Or do you think that her supervisors put her in a position where she actually could not do her job and they're the ones who should have more of the responsibility laid at their feet? I really want to know your thoughts on this one. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a law nerd. With that, may your Wi-Fi be strong because we've got live court coverage and you need to download the Law Nerd app. May your toilet paper be plentiful and your, you know, bidet be warm and toasty. May your family be well because everybody in my house is getting sick. Hopefully that's not your house too. And may the odds be ever in your favor. Law nerds, we've got a trial that we need to get to and I will see you on YouTube soon. Talk to you next week. You can stay up to date with everything I'm covering on our free iOS and Android app at lawnerdapp.com or search your app store for Lawnerd. And you can also follow me on social media at the Emily D. Baker. Remember, I stream on YouTube on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I recap all of that for you in quick bits on Monday. And of course, The Emily Show drops on Wednesdays. Thanks for being a Lawnerd. <laughs>